Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, come on. We're going to get into the Word today. And uh, we've been in a series now called, are you going to play the piano while I start? (laughs) That's when you know it's getting really holy in the room when someone steps up to the keyboard. So we're going to be uh, start, continuing our series called Discover Life Change, and we are in our third week. We're going to be doing an eight-week series here, so we've got about five more Sundays after this. And we've talked so far about how, how we want you to experience life change in 2020. We want 2020 to be the year that you experience breakthrough in your life. We want 2020 to be the year where you experience marriage breakthrough and life breakthrough and financial breakthrough and breakthrough in your marriage and breakthrough uh, with your children and breakthrough in your life. We want this year to be the year when you experience the life change that God has always intended for you. John chapter 10, 10, it says that the, the enemy, the devil, the enemy of your soul comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life, and life abundantly. Come on, he wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to live an overflowing life. He wants you to live a blessed life. He doesn't want you to have a perfect life because nothing's perfect. He doesn't want you to be perfect. You know, life doesn't need to be perfect. But what he wants you to do is experience the abundant life that God has for you. So many of us believe that God doesn't have a great plan for our life. I wanted to tell you that before the world even started, God wrote in his book a purpose for your life that is beyond anything you could ask or dream or imagine. God's plan for you is great. It's big. Hey, Vince, how you doing? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt the really God moment, but he's sitting in the front seat, and I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> he really needs this word today. <laughs> Come on, God's got a plan for you. Yeah. And we believe in 2020, we're going to see it. So we've talked about, you go back and listen, discover life change. We started the first uh, Sunday of the year. We talked about hearing God's voice. What does that look like, hearing God's voice? And last week, we talked about the living word of God, the Bible, and how powerful the Bible is in your life. Today, we're going to talk about a concept that I believe is the foundational truth for the entire Bible. It's actually the foundational truth for our entire walk with God. This this concept today, this idea today, for many of you who have been in church for a really long time, might uh, be tempted to tune to a different radio station, but I want to encourage you to stay engaged. Some of you in the room today haven't been to church in a long time, and I want to say welcome today. You're in a place that despises religion. We love relationship with Jesus. You get to be just how, who you are. And God changes our, our lives and transforms us. But he does it in community. And he doesn't do it through condemnation and shame and judgment. He does it through love and partnership. He does it together. So if you've been in church before and you say, man, I had a bad experience, I want to say, I'm with you. I have too. And that's why we started Love City Church. <laughs> to be an environment where you just get to be you, we get to do this together, I'm no better than you are, we're just on the same journey, I sin just like you sin, I got problems just like you got problems, I got problems more than you do, that's why you hang out with me for a few moments, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's a pastor, he's a reverend, what? (laughs) Come on, you're in a safe place today, and we love you, we're glad you're here. The teaching today, the idea today from the Bible is the most foundational truth in all of scripture. It's the very foundation by which we should live, and I wanna talk to you today I want to challenge a little bit of your frame, framework, your mindset, your, your thinking a little bit when it comes to how you approach God. 
So we're going to read a verse here today in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Hmm. So Christ has truly set you free. Now you have a responsibility. You have to choose to stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to law. Another translation that I like to use sometimes. Let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. There's a decision in this scripture. It says, okay, you can choose. You've been set free. If you give your life to Jesus, you become a follower of him. You have been given the, the option of freedom. But there's also a decision that we have to choose one way or the other. The decision is up to you. It's in your hands. The life God wants you to live is in your hands. It's a decision that you and I have to make. This verse promises freedom. This says, okay, you can have life change. And in 2020, you can have freedom from fear, freedom from doubt, freedom from shame, freedom from anger, freedom from unforgiveness, freedom from bitterness, freedom from the things that are keeping you held back in 2020. You can experience freedom in Christ, amen? amen. But I wanna ask you a question. If we are supposed to be free, why does it feel as though sometimes I'm not? Why does it feel as though sometimes that, yes, 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 I know, I'm covered by the blood. Hallelujah. Ow! You know, like in the South, you know, like, wow. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> if I'm a follower of Jesus, why am I still in bondage? If I've been set free, why am I not experiencing the reality of this in my life? Doesn't it sometimes feel like we get into a rut? This unending cycle that I can't seem to get through. And as a follower of Jesus, I thought I was free. As a follower of Jesus, I thought I, the curse has been broken. As a follower of Jesus, I thought the pattern of my life has been broken, but it feels like I'm in this challenge where I'm constantly circling the wagons and I'm chasing my own tail. And I just get in this rut and season after season, I finally make progress and I finally see breakthrough. And then I feel as though I fall back again. I feel like I just get going and I get my act together and I'm like, I'm like gonna figure this out. And then I stumble and I fall and I take two steps forward and take six steps back. This vicious cycle that you and I experience in our lives. And then I start feeling like, man, I need to get my act together. I need to get my act together. Okay, so this year, 2020, I'm gonna be more disciplined. I'm gonna exercise more. I'm gonna read more. I'm gonna get up earlier. I'm gonna stop using the bad words I've been using. And I'm gonna stop doing this. And I'm gonna stop doing that. I'm gonna stop eating sugar and start eating everything else. That sugar's in everything nowadays. So it's like, what do I eat, you know? I'm just gonna drink water. And, you know, it's like, you know, like I'm gonna become a better person. And then we get all of it figured out and we start doing good. And then what happens? We get back to the same spot that we were before. I know I've experienced this a lot. It leads me to a place of condemnation where I feel like I'm just not good enough. I used to think that there was something wrong with me. Why am I wired like this? 
Did God make a mistake? Is it me? I must be the problem. Must be me. I must be the problem. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to overcome this addiction. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to overcome this anxiety. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to live with this man that I just, I, 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 I used to love him and like him. Now, now I, don't, I don't like either. I don't like him nor love him. I don't know what to do anymore. What do I do now? In this season of our lives where we get frustrated and it's this crazy life cycle that we get into and many of you here today are followers of Jesus but you've just been stuck in the rut. But I have good news for you today. The good news I have for you today is that you've been free, you've been set free to be free. The context of this verse is surrounded around the idea that, that followers of Jesus were approaching God in a certain way and the mindset by which they approached God was determining whether or not they experienced the freedom that they wanted. This, there was a way of thinking that came into the church. There was a temptation to try and create and do and be the needed change that they needed for their lives. There was this temptation that they thought that I could start kind of earning this salvation or becoming a certain type of person and then then God will transform me when in actual, actuality the only change that can truly transform you is change that comes from the inside. Many of us do external change hoping it to change the inside when in reality only Jesus can change our inside. This verse is simply centered around the idea that if we need to allow God to impact us on the inside by giving him complete control of our lives. By surrendering the driver's seat. So if you husbands just can't do it, let your wife drive once in a while. <laughs> by surrendering the keys to your car, by surrendering the driver's seat of your life, Jesus. This freedom that God wants for you is a decision. It's a decision you can make today. You say, Ryan, I want to experience this freedom. I want breakthrough. I'm about to tell you how. You can do that today. It's up to you. You have to make a choice. Let's look at the scripture here, our, kind of our overarching schedule, or schedule scripture in uh, Galatians chapter three, or two, I'm sorry, and we're talking all the way back to the very beginning. The entire Bible breaks down, the entire Bible boils down to this one simple story in scripture. It's in Galatians, or Genesis chapter two, verse nine. And it says this, the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now remember, Jesus planted, God planted both of these trees. The tree of knowledge of good and evil had great value and power for the, for the life of of, of Adam, but the problem was is that God said, you cannot get this out of order. You have to make sure you make the right decision because if you choose the tree of knowledge, the scripture says what? You will surely die. And so if you choose knowledge 
over life or knowledge over trust or knowledge over control or controlling my life and what's going to happen next and how does it turn out and my finances and my marriage and my kids and controlling it all because I don't trust anyone else with the destination of my life. Here, Adam is told, be careful that you don't put knowledge and control in front of life after me. In front of putting your complete trust and faith in Jesus. He says the ultimate destination, the ultimate reality is that you will surely die spiritual death. We see here that this tree all have fruit. There's two trees. This tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, knowledge isn't bad. You got to remember that. Knowledge isn't bad. The Bible teaches that knowledge is actually very good, but knowledge has the potential to take the place of God in our lives. Knowledge has the potential to become more important of you and I having a full understanding of what God has for our lives or a full understanding of what we want for our lives becomes more important than simply trusting that our God is a great God and he takes care of our lives and that he will navigate us and guide us and lead us and that God, I give you everything because true life comes through you. Then I receive the knowledge for my life. Many times we put the knowledge first, but you gotta know knowledge is isn't bad. God gave us knowledge. He gave us the ability to understand knowledge. This type of tree, it has a mentality of outside-in change. That, that when you approach God, you think, you, when you approach God, you, you choose the tree that says, I need to make external changes and then it will change me on the inside. This is ultimately a battle for control. And this was the very decision that Adam was given. You can choose. You can choose life after me, or you can choose knowledge where you think that you are in control of your life. You can choose. So this tree has some fruit. And don't worry, we'll get to the redemptive part in a minute. <laughs> I want you to understand the fruit of this tree. The first fruit of this tree is that there is a distortion of the truth. That when you take from this tree, people commonly refer to the tree that Adam and Eve ate from as an apple. And though that's probably true or whatever, it doesn't really matter what kind of fruit it was. The reality is, is that the, 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 the actual fruit that, that Adam and Eve took was knowledge, information, data, worldview, thought patterns, and more specifically, the knowledge of good and evil. And when we take control of our lives, we are adopting a worldview that isn't of God. We adopt a perspective on our life. God basically said this to Adam and Eve. He said, if you change your way of thinking, it will create separation between us. If you choose to not fully trust in me and put your faith in me, there will be a barrier between you and me and it will lead you to a place of spiritual death. This is what God was trying to teach Adam, but the devil came and whispered something different to them. He came to them and he tempted them and this is what the scripture says. One day the devil, he, the devil, asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? He says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God. You will be in control, knowing both good and evil. 
God doesn't want you, you won't die. He just doesn't want you to be in control of your own life. He just doesn't want you to, to, to you know, he, he just knows that if you eat of this tree, you actually won't need God. You'll have everything that you'll need to live your life without him. It was a distortion of truth that when we begin to pursue, approach God thinking, I have to do certain things to gain his love and salvation. It's a perspective that I'm going to start to live my life without God's grace. And we see here that this fruit in our lives, the devil tried to trick us into thinking. He didn't trick them into blatant rebellion he tried to trick them into thinking that they could have actual control of their lives and succeed. The second thing this leads to, and I, wanna, I, I believe this will identify with a lot of people, this will be evidence in your life that maybe you have control of your life. And guess what? I have good news for you. It's okay. Literally, this is all it takes. Jesus, I give you control. <laughs> it's that easy. The Bible says that if you confess, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. Guess what? You say, Ryan, what do I have to do? I have good news for you. You simply have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus, you're in control of my life. And guess what? Instantaneously, God becomes the king of your throne of your heart. Just like that. But you might relate to some of these things today. When... Adam and Eve chose the fruit of the tree of knowledge. It led to a place where they thought they were in control. And then it led to this. They experienced shame. Shame is so dangerous because it actually strips us of the power to change. It keeps us from receiving the provision from God that only comes by grace. It keeps us from receiving gifts from God because we start to feel like there's a problem with us. See, there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is about what you have done but shame is about who you are. And so what shame happens is that, that guilt, you can get a fresh start over and over again. Shame makes you the problem. It stays with us. It's like a noose around our neck so that wherever we go, we think we are the problem. And there goes the distortion of truth. Someone, God created you in his likeness. He created you in his image. He created you to be full of identity and love and power and grace and mercy and love. And what the enemy wants to do is to get you to think that if you you can be in control of your life. And what happens is you start feeling shame and you start feeling, man, I just can't seem to do this. And I, every time I exercise more, I read my Bible more, I just can't see breakthrough. What's going on? It's because you're trying to control your own existence and it leads to a shame. There must be something wrong. Shame perverts the reality of who you think you are and who you think God is. The distortion of truth, what happens, it leads us to this place where shame leads us to a performance-driven life where God will only love me if I perform. God will only love me if I read a chapter a day. God will only love me if I go at least two times a month to church. If I go three, I'm really doing good. God will only love me if I give my, my 10%. God will only love me. God will only love me. God will only love me if I give to charity. God will only love me. See, that, that is a distortion of the truth. Guess what? God loves you even when you're at your worst. God loves you while you're still a sinner. God loves you even when you are blatantly rebellious against God. Guess what? Your heavenly father loved you unconditionally. Right. Nothing you have done makes him think, oh, I guess I'll love you now. Right. But you may have grown up with parents like that. Or you may have grown up with people like that in your life that said, I'm not going to love you back unless you prove to me that you're worth loving. Yeah. 
That's shame. And it drives us to performance life. And often what, what shame and performance does is that when we can't get better because we're driven by performance, we often start blaming other people. Man, my marriage would be better if my husband would stop being such a jerk. I wouldn't be so manipulative if he wasn't a jerk. Man, I'd be more happy in my family and, and less argumentative if, if, if everybody wasn't irritating me so much. See, Adam and Eve, immediately when they felt this shame, the first thing they did is they began to blame. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. Huh. For those of you who are newly married and going to get married, not a good idea. <laughs> it might work once, so use it wisely. <laughs> it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And then the Lord God asked the woman, well, what have you done? Well, it was the devil. How many Christians, you know, got a problem in life? Oh, it's the devil. No, it's just, just you. <laughs> well, it's my wife. Well, no, it's probably you. It's my son. It's probably my son, yeah. <laughs> that one's right. You begin to blame other people. So because you can't fix yourself, you start blaming your husband. You start blaming your coworker. Man, my job would be happier at my job. My boss would just, you know, give me a break once in a while. Man, I would just do better in life if, if like, I just didn't get a, a bad deck of cards. And, man, if my high school teacher wasn't so mean to me. And if my dad would have hugged me more. And if my sister would have been nicer to me. Yes, I don't want to minimize the pain of your past. So, so I, don't, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that it doesn't have value and that there isn't trauma there that we need to work through and all those things. But I want you to hear me that there has to come a time in your life when you realize that you got to let go and stop blaming other people. The decision is up to you. Choice is in your hands mm -hmm. to see life change in 2020. Right. It's, it's not up to your father who is no longer in your life, who wounded you and abused you. That is terrible and awful. But I pray today you'll realize that the sooner you can let go of that past, the sooner you will experience the life-giving power of God in your life because he set you free. He took it all on the cross. He's redeemed you. And I know it hurts and I know it's painful. I get it. I understand it. But I want to say today that life change is ready for you if you can finally stop blaming everybody else for your drama. I know this is real talk, huh? <laughs> we start to blame other people. And now there's a barrier between us and God. And this is what happens next. We begin to experience condemnation. I'm not good enough. I've always been this way. I start basing my relationship on my behavior. Condemnation. I feel judged. I feel unworthy. You know what? I'm just not worth it anymore. I went to church once and the pastor, he was a jerk, man. He took advantage of me and I gave my money to that place and they misused me and abused me. I'm never going back into that place again. You know what? I don't even care anymore because you know what? I've tried to do things good for God. And you know what? I don't really care. It's my wife and this person. I don't even care anymore. You know what? I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to be in community anymore. You know what else? I'm not going to read my Bible because every time I read my Bible, I man, every time I pick that book up, I feel guilty and I feel bad. I'm not picking that thing up anymore. And you know what? I'm never giving my money 
money to a church again because one time they injured me. What happens is, is condemnation comes over us and we begin to experience this idea that something's wrong with me. So you know what? I'm not gonna give myself to anything in the word, in the Bible that says I'll see breakthrough because I tried so hard and it failed every time. What happens is condemnation leads us to be bitter and angry and resentful and cynicism. And I want you to hear me today. Cynicism is a murderer of hope. Find yourself in a place where you say, I'm never going down that route again. Deep inside, when you look in the mirror, you realize there's something wrong with me. You look at God and think God's just judging me. God gave me a bit. God, why don't you show me your love, man, like you used to? God, why didn't you love me like you once did? God, why, why, is, why do you always give me a bad hand of cards? Why do I always have a bad life? God, why would you do this to me? That's called condemnation. And it brings us to a place in our life where we are spiritually dead. See, Paul in Galatians 5.1 talks about this. He says, you were set free to be free, so no longer slip back into the old ways of slavery or no longer go back into that old way, right? And then he continues the verse. And look what he says in this verse. In the message paraphrase, he says, I am emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision in the church they were teaching, that in order for you to experience the salvation of God, you had to do more by being circumcised. All the men in the room say, hello. <laughs> At the same time, you okay? You guys are like in junior high, Joel? <laughs> you gonna do it? You gonna be okay? Tyler, you gonna come back from this one? Okay. Read it again. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at the same moment, Christ's hard-won hard gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning, Paul says. The person who accepts the ways of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. Look at this. I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. He's saying, well, Ryan, does that mean that I don't have a relationship with God? No, no, no. It means that you're still in relationship with God, but you used to function in a way where you said, okay, my relationship with God is simply based on what God gives to me, his grace to me, his love for me. I'll never deserve it. I'll never be able to do anything to have it. He changes me. He transforms me. What happens is, is we slip into the tree of knowledge where we begin to think that we have the power to change our life. And so we start doing, and we start going to church, and we start reading our Bible, and we start doing these things, and in reality, we're just going through the religious motions and in reality what happens is, is that we no longer are approaching God from the same mode of salvation by which we did in the beginning. Now we're approaching him through what I can do to prove to you that I am worth your love. You fall out of relationship. It says you fall out of grace. We find ourselves in this place where it results in you experiencing spiritual death. And the reason I'm teaching on this is because I would probably put money on it, and I probably won't because it's not a very good bet. I mean, it's a good bet, but it's not a good bet to bet on. <laughs> that a majority of the people in this room feel spiritually dead. You have an experience with God where you're in his presence, and as Andrew says, you feel the goosebumpies, or they say an American Idol. Ooh, I got the goosebumps. You experience God, you experience his presence, Maybe something in the message or something in the, the service impacted you, 
Ryan asked you to raise your hand. You raise your hand. You experience the emotions. You experience the power of God. All these things happen. And then you start getting into the rigid, rigid the, 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 the regular part of life. And what our natural mind wants to do is stick us into mode of religion. So you start doing these things. And when you start kind of functioning, you forget out of the place where you just every single day are on your hands and knees saying, God, the only reason I'm in relationship with you is because you called me when I was in my sin. God, the only single reason that I'm able to have an amazing wife and wonderful children and the life that you give me. God, it's not because I've done anything. God, I, as Paul says, I'm, I'm a wretched man, God. I need you. I need you in my life, God. There is nothing in my life that I, that I can accomplish on my own without your grace and mercy. See, the problem is somewhere along this journey, someone told you that you had control of your life. We were born into a world that teaches us this. And we stand before these two trees and we say, okay, Many of us in this room today have worked into a, pro, a religious place and the scripture says in Matthew 7 that when that happens, we'll stand before God and he'll say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name and I cast out demons in your name and God, I, I built God projects in your name and God will look at you and say, actually, you may have thought you knew me, but I never knew you. So guess what? There's another tree. The second tree is awesome. Hallelujah, man. You're like, okay, we're done. Oh, the rest is all encouraging. Hallelujah. There's a second tree. It's a tree of life. A tree that God planted in the middle of the garden. This is the option for true freedom in your life. And guess what? This mentality is not outside in. This mentality is that God wants to change you from the inside out. That only God can do the change in your life that you're looking for. Only God can transform your heart and your life. And I know this is going to be difficult for many of you here today, especially you workaholics like me today. I understand this is going to be challenging, but this tree means this. Instead of doing, you simply receive. <laughs> the tree of life is not doing something. The tree of life is receiving a free gift of righteousness that you don't deserve. The tree of life is simply by faith knowing that every opportunity and every blessing you have in your life came from God. As Steph read this morning, our Father in heaven gives us every good gift, everything you have in your life. Don't take credit for that. It did not come from you. It's because your Father has been faithful to your life. This tree is an inside-out mentality. It's about trusting and having faith in God. The tree of life is when we stop overthinking it all. Please stop overthinking it all. Stop just receiving information about God and start a trusting relationship with Him. The tree of knowledge is information. The tree of knowledge is data. The tree of knowledge is prove it. The tree of knowledge is let's put evidence together. That's fine, but guess what the tree of life is? Faith. A trust. It's jumping off a deep end. It's, you say, Ryan, my rational mind can't do that. Well, guess what? You believe that a man died on a cross and believe he rose from the dead. Uh, that takes some stinking faith. But the Bible says the faith is small as a mustard seed. So you say, Ryan, I don't know if I have faith. Well, it just has to be about this big. <laughs> he works with anything. Just a little bit of faith. And we see here in this verse in Romans 12, a verse we've used throughout every sermon this time, it says this, Paul brought all of this into one thought. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll, want, you'll, learn, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How about another translation? Don't act like the sinful people of the world. Let God change your life. First of all, let him give you a new mind. Then you'll know what God wants you to do and the things you do will be good and pleasing. So we see some incredible, tremendous fruits that come, just three, and I'll say them very quickly. They're not long, they're just very quickly here. Three fruits that come from the tree of life. The first one is this. Our innocence is restored. I like that second part. We become naked again. People are like, this is a weird church. I brought you here for three years to talk to you about this moment. <laughs> the, tree, the tree of knowledge stills our innocence. When Adam and Eve chose, grabbed the, the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge, they realized they were naked. That means previous to this, they were naked and didn't know it. They walked around butt naked. And there was no shame. Some of you, ooh, there's a lot of shame. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> Joke, it's a joke. <laughs> Genesis 3, 7 says this, at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Verse 10, he replied, God said, I heard, Adam said, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? <laughs> who told you you weren't a great dad? Right. Who told you that you weren't a man of God? Who told you that you didn't do a great job raising your kids? Who told you that you're not beautiful? Who told you that you're not amazing? Who told you that not, you're not victorious in Christ? Who told you these lies in your mind? Who told you these things? Who stole your innocence? See, when we choose the tree of knowledge, our innocence is robbed and we recognize all of our faults. When you choose the tree of life, all you see is the righteousness and grace of God that, yeah, I got a lot of idiosyncrasies and challenges in my life, but by the grace of God, I am who I am today, made a new person in Christ, daily seeing transformation of my heart and mind from an addicted, broken individual to a set-free person of God. Why? Because I said, okay, God, I want to see your innocence in my life. No more nakedness, no more guilt, no more shame. I know this sounds crazy, I don't deal with guilt. Maybe for a moment when I sin, the Holy Spirit's convicting me, but you know there's a promise that you won't deal with guilt. I don't deal with guilt. I deal with shame sometimes, but guess what? I'm not saying I'm perfect, I'm just saying there's freedom for you in that area. Think about our little kids running around. I mean, when Ezra comes out of the bath, I mean, he wants everyone to know he's a male. He just gives it a good old shake. Half of you are offended right now. It's okay. God made us that way. No shame. No hindrance. Just walk around the house. Wow! He doesn't even realize he's naked. I want you to see this today, that that childlikeness God wants to restore your life to. When you walk around, and man, I know, I know in my knower that I'm naked, okay? I know that I'm, I know that I got problems. I know in my knower that I got situations and issues, and if you hang out with me, you'll know I'll be the first one to stand in front of you and say, I got a lot of problems, want to hear them? <laughs> but I'm also in my knower, I know that, hey, guess what? I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Yes. That when Jesus sees me, 
Do you know the Bible says that when Jesus sees me, he does not see, God does not see any flaw in me? I'll show you that verse. The second thing we have from this is our identity is restored. Look at the scripture. Because of this kindness, you have been saved through trusting Christ. And even trusting is not of yourselves. It's too a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done, so none of us can take any credit for it. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. You have an identity. You're restored to believe that I am who I am because of Christ. You're restored to believe that I am no longer who I thought that I was. Now I am worthy because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now I'm actually in God's eyes without sin. Look at this verse in Romans 5.1. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. So when you wake up in the morning and you look yourself in the mirror and you think, oh, I'm such a failure. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe four years ago I looked at that thing or did that thing. God says, why are you doing that? Remember, you're naked. You don't see these things anymore. I see you as flawless. Why are you going back to the old ways of bondage by accepting a lie that's not true at all? In the eyes of God, you are flawless Your past has been healed and restored and made new and transformed. And lastly here this morning, and this is good news, our freedom is restored. You were set free to be free. Now, no longer allow yourselves to go back. The good news is that through Jesus Christ, as Julie said, you have eternal life. And you've been given access through Christ to the tree of life. The tree of life is not accessed in any other way. You cannot access the tree of life through self-help conferences. You cannot access uh, the tree of life through, through listening to worship music. You can't access the tree of life through going to, uh, subscribing to some 50-day Get Your Life Better program. You, but if you want to do that, you can, but you're going to waste your money. The only way for you to experience the tree of life, to experience a restoration of nakedness, to, in uh, innocence, I guess I should say, to see a restoration of your identity and to see a brand new freedom in 2020 is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where you finally let go of trying to figure it all out and give control to God. Look at this verse. We'll end on this last verse here. Look at this. I love this verse. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, the fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from the faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin. See, when we choose the tree of life and we choose Jesus, guess what happens? Yeah, you're going to be out of control and it's going to drive you bonkers. (laughs) See, Ryan, does that mean I'm going to just have perfect peace? Well, yes. But sometimes our perfect peace 
is one thing and our continual desire to control is another thing. Sometimes you and I have perfect peace about what God wants, but we're just so used to controlling our life that we revert back. And I get it, I go there. But I wanna tell you something, the wind of the Spirit of God is blowing away the black cloud over your life where you can't see clearly and you feel there's a fog and you can't see breakthrough. He's going and that black cloud is going away and now you realize I have been set free to be free. I don't have to be ran around by this tyrant of sin and death or religion or brokenness or bitterness or unforgiveness or pain or hardship. I don't have to experience that any longer. I have been set free to be free and today I am going to choose the tree of life. It's up to you today. Why don't you stand to your feet? Close your eyes. Come on, I feel God's presence is here right now. I just sense the Spirit of God is here right now. Every eye closed. Come on, every eye closed in this place this morning. I normally ask two questions. I'm gonna ask those two questions, but I really feel like this morning there's those in the room who have been professed followers of Jesus Christ for maybe a long time, and if I had a conversation with you, you would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, or yeah, I believe in God, or, or yeah, I used to go to church, and, and I want you to know today that this message was for you. You've been choosing the fruit from the tree of knowledge and, and even though today you maybe didn't realize it. So therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have no more condemnation. We have no more shame. We have no more dis distorted reality and truth about who God is. He's a loving Father. He loves you. He wants to have grace for you. And you know the worst part about this planet is that sometimes people just suck. People just are faulty, but God is perfect. People screw up, but Jesus is the Savior. He's the Redeemer. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Come on, today, if you're here today and maybe you say, Ryan, I've never become a Christian before. Or I've never been a follower of Jesus. Or it's my first time to church. Or, man, I, 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 I like what I'm hearing today. And you say, man, I'd like to give my life to Jesus today. I'd like to start a journey with him. I'd like to start a, a, a figuring out. I don't have all the answers, but I'd like to maybe start a journey in a relationship with him. Or maybe you're here today and you used to be a Christian. Or maybe you're here today and you say, I am, but I, I want that life that Ryan talked about today. Day. I'm going to count to three. And I'm not going to pull you forward. I won't call you out. I won't acknowledge you. All I want to do is just see your hand go up really quickly and then put it back down. And I'm going to pray out loud with the whole group. We'll all pray together. But what you're saying is I'm going to make a face step today. I'm going to put my hand in the air as a face step that I want to choose the tree of life today. On the count of three, I won't call you out. I won't call you forward. I won't embarrass you with every eye closed. Come on, right now. One, don't be afraid. I won't embarrass you. I promise you that. I just want to pray with you. One, two, come on, don't be afraid. This is your moment. Choose the tree of life. And Christ Jesus will change your life forever. One, two, three. Come on, let me see that hand. <laughs> Man, that's fantastic. Praise the Lord. Five or six hands just went up in the room today. Come on, Jesus is here right now. Man, I just sense the salvation for people's lives is here right now. Firstly, Lord, I just pray, Father, for every person that raised their hand. Lord, those who are new followers of you, those who are 
previously followers of you that made a decision today that they're going to come back and start a relationship with you. Father, we say, firstly, thank you for your grace. We gather every morning, Father, every Sunday morning, not just to, not just to eat at the table, but also, God, to see people know you better. And today, Jesus, I pray for these six people, God, who raised their hand today. I pray that today, Lord, those who didn't raise their hand out of fear, it's okay. I pray for new life today. I pray for freedom today. I pray for the fear that, that life will look not like I want it to look if I give my life to God today. Settle the questions and the fear of what it looks like to be a true follower of you, God. Today, Father, I pray for fear would be gone right now. Anxiety would be destroyed. Lord, even traumas from the past that have kept them from believing in you. Lord, the trauma of pain or hardship or things not turning out like they hoped today, Lord, we just say we release that trauma to you and we say, God, would you begin to change us from the inside out? Come on, church, we're gonna say a prayer and I want everyone in the room to pray after me. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you wanna pray this with me. Come on, say it real loud, loud and proud this morning. Come on, dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus. I come to you this morning. I, come to you this morning. I wanna give you my life. I wanna give you my life. I choose the tree today. I choose the tree of today. I recognize I haven't gotten life right. I realize I haven't gotten life right. And I've made some mistakes. But I want to say thank you for your grace. But I want to say thank you for your grace. I give my life to you. I give my life. I want to start a journey with you today. I want to start a journey with you today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.